Hey everybody, welcome to the Linux Cast. I'm your host Matt, and I'm Tyler. Yes, he is. Uh, for those of you who are watching the video version of this, Tyler is not as stoned as he looked. Um, I just figured I'd jump right in and say that before somebody said it in the chat. <laughs> we just might as well get it over with. He's just feeling under the weather. Don't worry about it. Um, anyways, so this is the Linux Cast. We talk about Linuxy things, uh, usually the news, and that's what we're going to do today. We have six wonderful news topics for you today. But first, as always, we always talk about what we've been doing this week. And uh, this this front-end section is a little bit in flux, so prepare for something new to come here in the future. But as of right now, Tyler, what have you been doing this week? Well, um, just diving deeper into the Apple ecosystem. Um, my sister wants to get a smaller iPad, so um, I've got her bigger one, and I've been using that. And it's been, I don't know, it's just been really nice. Like the whole Apple ecosystem, it's very, it's very nice. Um, although I, I will say, um, it's made my life a lot more hectic because. Like, I've just, oh no, I've never really been able to carry around so much computing all at once. So, like, I'm just even more never away from my computer, uh, which is impressive. I didn't know that was possible. I, th- I thought I already spent way too much time on my computer. But, like, now it's, like, in my bed with me, which is a problem. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I've been doing. Um I I also did get to go down and try out a new Mexican joint, which was fantastic. Um, so yeah, I had some like massive, massive enchiladas. It's great. Well, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you for now making me, making me hungry. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you're welcome. that. You're welcome. Um, I'm, I'm I'm glad I can. See, I made chili this morning, so I have that on the slow cooker. Uh, simmering so that'll be for later um screw you guys we're not doing a podcast i'm going to eat (laughs) 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 anyways so uh i have i have some things to talk about so if you follow me on mastodon link in the video description uh hashtag youtuber um (laughs) do that every time um i had some interesting computer problems and i've never i've never actually talked about the origin of those computer problems so the end result was that I ended up having to reinstall Fedora, but the thing that caused all my issues, so it, I use Ranger as my terminal file manager, and recently I had, an, so I've talked about my external hard drive before that make, made horrendous noises, like really, really bad. Well, they got way worse about a week ago. I mean, like, the, not healthy noises whatsoever. So I hurried up and backed all my stuff up on there. Like, and I'm talking like three terabytes worth of stuff. I got all that onto my other external hard drive, which is brand new. And I backed it all up into a folder named the same thing as that old external hard drive. And, you know, I just planned to kind of leave all that stuff in there, but somewhere along the lines that, what was it? Probably like Sunday evening or some sometime this weekend, I decided I was just going to move all the stuff out of the f- directory that I put it in and just have it in the root directory of that external hard drive so that it was all in just like a normal it was like in normal places. And I used Ranger to do it. And uh, the first directory that I was going to move was the backup directory which is like 2 terabytes in size. It's like the biggest directory on there. And I knew it was going to take a while, so I started it in the morning. The problem is I forgot about it. 
And um, so that evening, I come back to my computer. It was a day off. I hadn't done anything. I come back. I had completely forgotten that I had Ranger in the background moving stuff from one directory to another on that hard drive. So I noticed up in my poly bar, it said I had 168 updates. So I did an update. And as I always do when I do an update, I rebooted my computer, completely forgetting that Ranger was in a scratch pad moving stuff around because scratch pads are hidden, right? You don't see it. And uh, yeah, it turns out that your computer does not like it when you sh- shut down in the middle of moving two terabytes worth of data from one place to another. Uh, so that hard drive is always in FS tab. It, it gets mounted every time the system comes up. And because of all of my shenanigans not remembering that it was moving stuff, it could no longer see that hard drive. So when it booted in to Fedora, I got some really weird errors saying it was in emergency mode and to try to diagnose it that way. It would not let me log in because by default, Fedora doesn't have a root password. You only have a user password with pseudo privileges. So you need a root password. So I ended up having to uh, go into my void install, which I'm testing now for a video later on, and see its root into my Fedora install, set a root password, go back, try to get in, but it wouldn't let me log in. Uh, as a root password because it said the, the password was wrong. So I was like, you know, maybe I mistyped it or something like that. So I went back into void, chrooted in again, changed the password again, went back into the Fedora install. It still wouldn't take it. So I did it a third time, this time ignoring my normal password and just setting the most simple password ever. And so I know I didn't mistype at that time. It still wouldn't take it. So uh, I got a Mastodon start bitching. I'm like, why does anybody put up with this stuff <laughs> More Fedora sucks and all this stuff. It's horrible. Like, even though I still love Fedora. Um, and it turns out you have to unlock the root password as well as create one. So I tried that. And that allowed me to get in and remove the the line in the FS tab to you know, remove that hard drive so it wasn't trying to mount. And that got me into SDDM. The problem is it still wouldn't let me log in. Even to my personal account, it wouldn't let me log in. And so I I get into I rebooted and went into Grub and booted directly into Bash, which you can do basically you can set Bash as your net system, and you so you I went into the the Bash you know there and reset my password knowing with a very simple password so I knew I wasn't you know uh, uncommenting or you know typing in wrong still won't let me log in, and uh, at that point I've been working on it for like four or five hours and like I still yeah this, wor- this sounds like a headache. For sure. I was like, you know, screw this. <laughs> I'm reinstalling Fedora. Um, I I thought for I thought for maybe 30 seconds or so, just you know, try a different distro. Um, I thought maybe I'd go back to Arch or something like that. But no, Fedora's been really good to me, so I stayed on Fedora. And yeah, I've been basically since that time for like the last four or five days trying to get everything back the way it was. Um, luckily, so I had backup. I guess the m- uh, well, thank God. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that, but I, I was just assuming you did. But I guess the moral of your story is even really good distros don't like it when you just shut them off during, I mean, really any file transfers, but definitely massive ones. No matter what. Because yeah. Fedora is a really good distro. Like, really good. The lesson that uh, I learned was that... F- not to use Ranger 
as a file transfer tool uh, because Ranger has a progress bar for small files, but anything larger than a certain point, it doesn't show a progress bar. And even then, the progress bar, when it does show, is just a spinning slash mark. It just rotates slash. It's all you see. So yeah. Plus, I just completely forgotten about it, and it was a scratch pad. Usually, I'd use Crusader. I don't know why I chose to use Ranger this time. And yeah, that that really messed me over. The, and the thing is, is like I, I bitched about you know Linux and all this stuff on Mass, and I was like in really foul mood. But it was not Linux's fault at all. The same thing would have happened. I mean, maybe not. It may not have ended the same way, but I still would have had hard drive problems if I tried the same thing on Windows or Mac. It does shutting oh, down yeah. shutting down midway through a file transfer just does not. It's not okay. It's not good. So uh, luckily. I did manage to get the external hard drive back up and running. It doesn't look like there's anything corrupt on it, which is honestly sh- completely shocking. Um, like I, I, I figured at least that the that the folder that I was transferring would be full of files that were corrupted or missing or whatever. No, everything seems no. to be fine. Um, but still, it was it was not a good time. Uh, and yeah, that's basically what I've been spending my time doing on Linux this last week. I oh also. I switched to a new window manager for a little while. I switched to Awesome, and um, yeah, I hate Lua, and I do I do not like <laughs> Lua at all. And and Josh is in the in the chat. He's like, Lua is the the easiest programming language, and several people have told me Lua is is amazing and really simple. And in, compared to like something like Haskell or uh, you know Assembly, it probably is, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I just don't care for it all that much, and honestly, I like how I like how you loop Haskell and Assembly in the same group. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. The same. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I talked about this in a video that I made about Awesome. There's actually nothing wrong with Lua. That's it's a me problem. It, it it's just I just don't enjoy it. Um, I don't uh, know why. Well, I mean, I'm the same there. I, I agree with you. I just you on don't that care one. for it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm sure it's perfectly simple. If and I put the effort into it and, you know, actually tried to learn it enough to actually do awesome, you know, it would be fine. But I have such a mental block in my head when it comes to Lua and awesome, and, you know, especially awesome. Like, it's just not <laughs> – there's something in there that just don't – it doesn't make me want to use it. Anyways, I switched back to i3. I have put awesome on my laptop so that I can actually make a, uh, make a long-term review of it later on. Uh, but I'm not using it as a daily driver. I couldn't do it. Lou is the easiest if you don't know anything else. <laughs> okay. Maybe it wasn't you that told me it was All the right. easiest. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So that is that section. Moving on to the contact information, uh, which is the thing that I always m- manage to you know, screw up every week. So we'll try to get through it. So if you want to find all the information about the podcast, you can do so at the linuxcast.org. There you'll find past episodes. Uh, I have not done a very good job of keeping that up to date in the last couple of weeks for personal reasons, but I'll get back to that here very soon. I do have a blog post and a new episode to post on there. So that stuff will go up there today. Uh, anyways, the linuxcast.org is where you'll find all that stuff. You can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast. Uh, you can email me at email at the linuxcast.org. You can, I should say you can email us if you, you want to do so. Uh, the traditional way email is probably the best way to contact us. Um, 
I do read the emails. I'm just atrocious at answering them. So if uh, you email me and I, I haven't answered you back, uh, don't take it personally. I don't an- I, I don't answer Tyler back if you email me. I mean, it's like, and I know him. Yeah. So but, like, it's just I'm really bad at responding to email. So I apologize for that. You can uh, sub- you can subscribe to Tyler on YouTube. He does have a YouTube channel. It's just dusty, you know, and one day he'll dust that thing off there and come back to it. Uh, We hope anyways. Uh, But anyways, you can subscribe to him on YouTube at youtube.com slash ZanyoG. He's also on Odyssey, Discord, and I think that's it. Uh, Finally, you can subscribe to the LinuxCast on YouTube at youtube.com slash LinuxCast. I appreciate everybody who does do that. So thank you so very, very much. And also, if you want to find any of this stuff... If you don't want to type in the links or whatever and you just want to go to the website, you can do so. Linuxcast.org slash contact is where you'll find all of this stuff. So head on over there. It's awesome. So that is the contact information. The best one I've ever done. I'm just going to put that out there. So um, now moving on to the main topics of the show. So uh, as is usual, we each pick three favorite links of news that we can share with you for the week and we've done so this week as well uh and we've done way better this week at making things that are more current uh these things these are not three weeks old like the last ones so yeah, uh, yeah. as is usual tyler goes first so tyler your first one uh mine is going to be linux on apple silicon has gotten a crap ton better so um i'm kind of waiting just to uh, right now like this kind of update is that the Apple Silicon chips, you can now run obviously Linux on them, but they've added in oh, like very much alpha quality OpenGL2 support. Um, and so you can, you know, run GNOME. And I think they talk about GNOME, Plasma. I don't know if they mention anything else, but I, I know those two are mentioned. So you can run those with, you know, hardware acceleration. Uh, Vulkan expansion is like on the way. They're they're working on it. But I'm just waiting a little bit longer for this to mature. And I will definitely be giving it a shot on my MacBook. But uh apparently you can get quake 3 running at 4k 60 fps i'd find that more impressive if quake 3 didn't run on everything (laughs) exactly Um, but i mean it's still it still is neat just knowing how difficult this kind of stuff is like the only thing that would be apple the only thing that'd be less impressive is if they said doom ran on it (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) But I mean, it still is wild. Just, I mean, they're not. This is not something that's getting any kind of help from Apple. It's all, it's all just a very passionate project. So yeah, it, very it, cool. If you guys watch the, so there's a guy. I think his name is Hector somebody. I can't remember his last name. I apologize for that. But he live streams sometimes when he's fixing bugs and coding for this, and uh, he's my hero. Because he uses so many tabs, it's wonderful. <laughs> like, like, like that guy uses tabs like I use workspaces, only it's way, way. I mean, he, he uses Kate for his his IDE, and he has sometimes like like forty or fifty tabs open in split pane. Like each one has tabs. He uses tabs in the terminal. It's just it's so like I have no clue what he's doing, but I watch his live streams just because I'm so impressed with his workflow. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you do when you do put 
this on your your MacBook how that works out for you because um I I thought because you sorry okay, so this is all your fault by the way I I don't know if I talked about this before but I'm in the process of looking for a new laptop and uh, I've been I'm always gonna buy used I never buy anything new and uh, so I decided I was going to just browse eBay and then last week you told me you got a MacBook and I was like you know that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I did not do mm -hmm. it, but I thought about it for longer than I care to admit. Um, but I was because because I was thinking I was like you know what, DaVinci Resolve will work on it, Premiere will work on it, so I could actually edit my videos on a system that actually has good video editors. <laughs> like <laughs> like my biggest complaint about Linux has always been the video editors, and using a different platform would solve that problem, but. I like Linux too much. I just do. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to end up getting an XPS probably someday. Uh, I haven't really decided yet. I, I keep waffling. Those are nice. Um, but, yeah. That's probably... Wait, waffling? With wa waffling. Uh, changing my mind. Um, yeah. It's a Michigan saying. I can't help it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm... I can, I came close. But if I had bought... If I had pulled the trigger, I probably would have immediately put this on there. Um... Because I don't think I'd like, I don't think I'd care for macOS. I don't like iOS anymore. Like I tried to go back to iOS for a little while. Um, it did not work out. All right. So my first one. So I'd actually never heard of this company before because I'm not big into security cameras. I don't really, you know, need a security camera. I live in the middle of nowhere. We'll see you coming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but anyways, the. Uh, Eufy is apparently a very big uh, like brand when it comes to security cameras, and their big claim was that they were very secure. And it turns out, mm, not so much. Uh, apparently, if you just managed to basically spam a whole bunch of different URLs, you could actually log directly into their cameras. It would bypass the cloud servers, everything. Even if you ran it through HomeKit, which is encrypted, you could still manage to do a drive-by on their cameras and other equipment and basically log into the camera uh, without any credentials or encryption bypass at all. It just would, was there streaming to everybody uh, no matter what. And the thing about this is, is like, the, first of all, not surprising that a, a, a Internet of Things thing has a security vulnerability. They all do, okay? <laughs> like, they all yeah. do. That's not a surprise. What, what was a surprise was how horrible this company's response was <laughs> like basically what they said from what i've read is it's not a bug it's a feature <laughs> apparently yeah um and it's just not has been and and we're even worse on top of that it was like the the security firm that found this out did the thing that the security firm is supposed to do they told Ufi or however the hell you say it um told them about the bug like weeks or maybe a month or however long beforehand so, so they, they could fix it before the bug was announced. Uh, just like you're supposed to do if you find a, a bug. You go to the company and say, hey, you guys should fix this before it gets announced um, so that it can't be exploited. Uh, and the Yuffie was like, no, nah, man. <laughs> we don't need to do that. <laughs> uh, it, it It's just not... Well, they also had some pretty crappy marketing because they were heavily implying in their marketing that their security cameras were local, 
not online in the first place. So, like, Yuffie is kind of... It just seems like a very untrustworthy company. So, like, hopefully nobody around here, you know, watching the podcast actually has one. Because if you do... um, I can... Like, there's there's a URL that somebody can just slap into a browser and just see your camera. Yeah, and apparently so. it's not that hard to guess because they're all similar URLs. So it, it'd just be a matter of – basically you could make a bash script or whatever to just get it to try a whole bunch of URLs. And when it succeeds, it would pop up a browser. You know, It would not take that long. Yeah. You probably could do it on your MacBook. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. it, the, so creepy, man. Uh, so like I said at the beginning, it's not surprising that a Internet of Things – thing has a security vulnerability because they all do none of them are secure in the way you hope they would be they all have something goes wrong with them and, and even if you manage something locally where you're 100 percent sure that it's only ever on your enclosed firewall system there's probably still a way in um and that's the danger of having cameras in your house okay once you put once you take that step you're inviting at least in my opinion, you know, problems simply because you add an extra attack vector to your system that isn't going to be as secure as, you know, a computer can be. You know, at least with a computer, you have the option to install, you know, a, a simple firewall or a, uh, you can install a, hall, install a hardware firewall or whatever. Um, and cameras don't and stuff like that doesn't don't necessarily from things that i've read always mesh well with that stuff because they a lot of time i mean especially if you buy a camera from a very large company most of them have like upload to cloud it's going to be amazing you can view your camera from anywhere um that doesn't sound like a really good idea to me because if you can access access it probably somebody else can too um so yeah, I would never put cameras in my house. Maybe outside of it, if I was like lived in a. Well, I mean, outside makes sense, like totally, because like I mean, if somebody comes by, does something to your house, yeah. or like you know, it's just acting a fool. Like, I get that, and also like it's it's also not just like having video footage of you walking around outside is just different than inside of your own home, because like. The odds that you forget pants in the outdoors versus indoors are two totally different things. And like, I don't, I just don't get why you would really want to have cameras on the inside of your house. I mean, maybe uh, in certain places, like uh, a nanny cam or something like that, where you know, like you want to watch your nanny as she's taking care of your kids or whatever. That's that's something that's been popular for a very long time. Uh, so that yeah. like if then if your nanny turns out turns out to be an abusive prick, you know you can catch them on camera, you know, and hopefully catch them. But you know, that's a very unique situation. Uh, I know a lot of people who put cameras all over their house, um, and in weird places like the kitchen. You know, <laughs> like what do you need a, a a camera in the kitchen for? You know, <laughs> it doesn't make any well, I mean, how else are you supposed to do your cooking show, Matt? <laughs> yeah, because that's like, exactly what I'm. I'm. I'm the next Gordon Ramsay. I'm just in there, just cursing up a storm. 
<laughs> it's just like a really bad. Where the fuck are the truffles? <laughs> yeah. How the how the fuck am I supposed to make this shit? Raw, damn it, raw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so bad. Um, cameras in the bedroom and bathroom. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm sure some people will do that. I don't know. Like, it's but the, the, the people do that. Like they get those Amazon um show things right that, that were supposed to be like for video chats and they put them they use them as alarm clocks next to their bed and they have cameras on them you know like if you trust amazon so much i mean maybe you just upload your porn to aws i mean <laughs> just, it, just like, like it doesn't make it, it, it I don't understand that. I mean, they make they they have like a hardware switch that you can close the camera, but you got to remember to do that. You know what I mean? And it's a switch that you actually have to walk up to the thing and turn on. It's the same thing. It's like the so like the the Brio comes with that little you know that little like piece of plastic that you're supposed to be able to put over it so it, it blocks the Brio. Um, yeah. Have you ever used that? No, me neither. <laughs> that's that's no. right there. That's the point. <laughs> well, as far as I know, most most Logitech webcams have lights on them. As far as I know, the Brio d- does too. Yeah. In the way that they're wired, that so like the like when they're being used, when the electricity is being ran through them, it runs through the light before it goes to the camera. So no matter what, if the camera is being accessed, that light will be on. So, like. Most Logitech cameras, I don't think it's really that big of a deal, but I mean, most of them also, no matter what, even the ones with the lights, like I think, I think every one of the, like the pro C9, you know, 20 like line, they all do that, but they also still come with the plastic clips to put over them, which is like, I still like, I like that. Like even if I'm glad it happens, but I'm pretty sure that. The, the weird thing about the Brio is it comes with that that plastic clip, but it almost immediately gets lost. Like, because <laughs> yeah. it's not connected yeah. whatsoever. With the the um, Aver Media one that I had before this, it had a it had one that was attached that you could rotate into place. Mm-hmm. That was a nice design. Nice. Um, still never used it. Um, mainly because if somebody turned it on, all they're gonna see is this blank wall or me sitting in front of my computer. You know. If it was pointed somewhere else, then I would worry about it more. But um, still, I don't know. Cameras in your house, just unless it's a webcam, and even then, you should you know be, just be very cautious <laughs> because yeah. because yeah. you know it's just you know it ha- shit happens. There's bad actors out there, and uh, obviously things like the UF UFI guys don't make it any uh, uh, easier or harder. I guess I don't know. Um, to stay secure. Anyways, that's it for that one. Let's move on to the next one. Tyler, your next one. Uh, so like XFCE got an update. So like, no, the year is not 2076. (laughs) It's, it's, it's still 2022 and we're getting new XFCE. I like it's as far as I know, it's not technically released, which is, convenient uh but it's actually coming so we actually have some worthwhile updates they've updated some of the look of things um 
they've got, I believe, the file manager now has like image previews, and the way that it's shown off in the pictures, it looks really nice. Like on the side where you have, you know, like your kind of bookmarked places, you know, your attached drives, stuff like that. Like it'll pop up a little square with the image preview of what you've got selected, which I think that's really nice. And really, it's just got a whole bunch of of updates, which XFC is definitely deserving of. And I also love how this article starts off. Like it's opening, it's opening line is pretty good. XFC is a slow moving, sensible Linux desktop option. Like I just, I like how they worded that. Like yeah. it very much is a very sensible desktop. Like if, if you like it day one, odds are five years from whenever you start, it's, probably going to be the same if not slightly better like yeah. not not a ton but maybe slightly pretty good all right so i have a couple things to say so first xfce is one of my favorite desktop environments maybe even the, the favorite but it's never going to be very popular on a lot of distros uh, especially if you install it yourself so if you install it in like arch or fedora or like that, that on a distro that you already have installed and you just install it from the repos, you get the ugliest default setup in the history of the world. I mean, it is so bad. Like, like it looks like it was, it looks like that thing hasn't changed since 1997 when it first came out. It is that bad. And, uh, you, it immediately gives you such a horrible first impression of XFC. If that's your first impression of it, if, if they had, if they did a, I mean, the thing is about XFC is you can make it look however you like. It's like KDE Lite. You know, it doesn't have quite as many settings, mm-hmm. but you can do so much with it. If they just put a little effort into making that default look of XFC better, I mean, it'd be hands down, like, very popular, like, instantaneously. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know about that, but it's still, more pe- less people would turn away from it immediately because of that initial first impression. So, uh, that's yeah. honestly, that's my biggest problem with XFC is that initial thing, even though I know how to customize it. Because um, that... that, yeah, that there... I mean, no, your argument still stands. There's, there's no real reason that they can't just whip together a real nice theme for it. Like, when you can go to Unix porn and find, like, pictures of people using XFC and you're like... And if you put it right side by side, their like default desktop, you're like, what the hell happened when y'all were like, this is the one that we want to represent the like XFC at its finest. Like, yeah, no, cause some 12, like some 12 year old on Unix porn will do like two hours worth of work and make XFC look fantastic. <sighs> And, and that's the thing is like XFC is actually one of the desktop environments that's easy to transfer from computer to computer because you can just transfer the files, right? You can transfer the it has yeah. configuration files, and uh, they could just steal someone's off Unix porn. <laughs> like it wouldn't even take them any time. Yeah. All yeah. they'd have to do is say, "Hey, we're going to use this as the default XFC thing." And I'm sure whoever's rice they were using would be like, "That's." awesome you know here go ahead you know i'll even maintain it for you you know (laughs) Uh, but no anyways yeah that's the xfc i'm glad that it's still slowly getting wrong because there was there was some rumors that i think maybe i'm making this up in my head but i'm pretty sure that i read that the the main guy there decided he was going to go start working on elementary os um maybe he was just considering it i don't know i just have a vague memory of that 
happening, maybe last year or something. Um, so it's good that they're still pulling out, you know, just updates every two years, just little features. Um, you're never going to get a lot of, you know, like grand, huge features in XFC, and that's why a lot of people like it. So, um, yeah. the the person in the chat who's asking for my bar config, all my dot files are in the my, in my GitLab. The link is in the video description. You can find those there. Um, it's i3. It's good. Anyways, and it is new. I made a video about it yesterday. Anyways, uh, that's that. So I'm moving on to the next one. Uh, this is the actually the topic that I was looking forward to most this week because I love bitching about Mozilla. So, Mozilla. I would, I, okay, hold on. I'm gonna have to stop here for a second because you about you 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 worried me there for a second because I genuinely was scared that you were about to say because I love talking about the metaverse. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Even a little bit. Uh, Thank God. <laughs> we talked about it before, and Metaverse is stupid. Um, and I think every, I think everyone outside of the developers who developed the Metaverse think that it's stupid. Um, although yep. I, I was talking to someone who said the other day that disagreed with me that said that the Metaverse has potential, and I was just like, I just looked at them funny, like, no, it doesn't. Not well. Uh, I mean. Well, hold on. Just to like give, like, just to be the devil's advocate here. I mean, like, he he kind of does have a point, cause like, but that that doesn't mean the point is very good, cause that's equivalent to saying, well, there's plenty of games that have a good shot of making money. Like, I mean, that's effectively what he's saying. Yeah. All right. It's so like, my, yeah. So we'll. I'll get to the news thing here. Let's go into the article. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is good. So Mozilla has been doing stuff in the metaverse for a little while. It's metaverse space, M- Mozilla spaces or something like that. Uh, but recently they decided to, that they're going to buy a company called Active Replica, which is a Vancouver-based startup that is developing a web-based metaverse. Um, and they, it doesn't say how much they spent on this company, uh, but I would expect it to be some large amount of money. Um. Yeah, th- this. I would hope not. I, I I hope they got it for cents on the dollar. <laughs> like... Uh, it it do- it doesn't say in this article how much, as far as I can tell, how much they spent on it. But I would guess that it was, you know, in the millions of dollars. I mean, you're not gonna buy something like this for ten grand, you know. <laughs> so it's it's gonna be a lot of money. All right, so. Honestly. Exactly. I mean, I don't. I I'd only give them two for it, but you know, I wouldn't. I I say this knowing that that company probably employs some people and you know I'm all for giving developers jobs and stuff like that but their product is stupid I don't know even know what it was it has, <laughs> I know all I know is that it has to do with developing a web-based metaverse and you just stopped me right there um but that's not even the bad part the bad part is that Mozilla continues to do everything in its power to do everything that it shouldn't uh we've talked about this before really what they need to do always they need to focus on making a good browser that's what they need to focus on doing uh they don't need to focus on making a metaverse or making a vpn or well well, wait matt wait matt let's give them credit this acquisition makes a hundred percent sense now i mean I don't know about you, but every time I'm sitting down in front of Firefox or any browser for that matter, I'm like, the main issue with this is I'm not in the metaverse. Like, <laughs> that's that's my biggest that, issue that, with that, every That was browser. exactly my argument to the guy who said that 
um, the metaverse makes sense is like the, the metaverse is a thing that forgets that the real world exists. You know, yeah. The the VR has a place in the world. It's called gaming. Uh, Tyler, you like to use VR. It's mm. really good for gaming, right? Yeah, love and it. If, if, yeah. if a big company that's not Facebook ever gets into it, like Apple or basically just Apple. If well, I, <laughs> I would say gets into it and is competitive at a lower price point. Because well, right, well, like I have like Facebook headsets and most people have them just because they're so cheap. The, the thing is – We want someone else to come in. If, if like, Apple were to get into VR, just VR, and I'm talking about AR. I'll talk about that in a second. If they were to get into VR, their stuff would not be cheap. But what they would do is they'd spawn a whole bunch of people to start working on it. You know, other, other small companies and, you know mm-hmm. – uh, probably mostly you know asian companies that would start getting into vr and stuff like that because they'd see a, a market for it because once apple gets into a market there is a market for it right now as of right now it's just meta and while there is a market for it it's very small once apple gets into it it would yeah. be very big but the thing the the argument is is that it's good for gaming it's not good reality exists well, I mean, like people in like yeah when you want all right so the whole the whole idea from the metaverse is from what I from what I can tell is to allow people to meet in a virtual space. We have that. It's called Zoom, okay. And mm-hmm. basically, what they're doing, from what I've seen so far, is they're taking Zoom and basically replacing actual images of and videos of people with cartoon avatars with no legs. Um, although you know, they, crappy ones, right? Um, crappy avatars. I, it, a few years ago, Apple introduced something on the iPhone called um, what the hell is those, their little uh, animated um, emojis called? Memojis. They called oh, them memojis, yeah. right? Um, and they were cool for like five seconds. Everybody made one when they had an iPhone. You 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 know you got on there. Maybe you sent somebody a text message because you could record yourself as a memoji and it would talk and stuff. And there like be a voice there. Mm-hmm. It was. It was cool the first time. Uh, nobody ever did it again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that says, oh, I use Memojis all the time. You wouldn't do it in a meeting. Like if you, if you work a job where you take meetings and you work from home, you don't want to be a Memoji. You know, you don't want you don't want to be no. a cartoon avatar and look at a cartoon avatar of your boss um, as someone who takes these meetings all the time for my job. One of the things that I rely on, even though I work remotely, is body language of people on camera, their facial expressions. And you don't – I mean maybe someday VR will get to the point where it can map facial expressions and put them – but then you – even if it gets that good, the question then becomes why? We had that. It, it was a webcam. Yeah. we've had it since like, the 90s i mean <laughs> you know <laughs> i think kind of like the biggest issue with the whole like idea of the metaverse and like us connecting in this way is none of it's none of it adds anything useful like at all and you don't even really have to go down into like you know will it work or uh, i mean like justifying how how like we're going to use it and everything just think about it like this 
are we ever going to get a point get to a point where if you're doing like a serious business meeting and like there's the potential for like layoffs on the table like it's just a very serious business meeting do you want to be doing it in the environment where you could possibly see your employees or bosses gamer tags over their heads as like you're talking about laying off like 200 employees or some shit. Right. And it's, you, no. it's a good point. Like every, these meetings are usually serious business meetings. And even like the part where you're even in like brainstorming meetings where you like maybe it's more of a frivolous, you know, um, happy atmosphere or something like that. I don't know. Um, you still don't want to look at a cartoon while talking to your colleagues. Uh, it's just not like if webcams didn't exist then this would maybe be okay because it would provide you with being able to see something but webcams exist you know and sure it adds a 3d aspect to it but the thing about vr and and this is the argument that i made uh with the guy on mastodon i think it was on mastodon was that the thing that makes the the thing that is interesting about this technology really isn't VR itself. It's actually AR because AR allows you to not only see digital stuff, but allows you to interact with the physical world. It doesn't figure it that the, the physical world exists and AR is not here yet. Like it, we sure we can hold up an iPad and it will measure things and it'll do simple stuff, but no. it's not like uh, you can, you know, put your glasses on and, you know, actual have like a heads up display in front of you, at least as of right now, you really like, AR, we need the glasses or contacts yeah. for it to like really be a thing. Yeah. Or, or Elon Musk putting a, a chip in your brain or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, just the small things like that. You know, t- t- turns out he only killed like fifteen thousand animals or something like that. Yeah, just like look, look, it's simple minor brain surgery. <laughs> Like, like we got this man I put, yeah, I put, yeah. I put rockets he's, he's like I put rockets in space I can <laughs> definitely do this you know <laughs> I can definitely put like thousands of wires down your brain it's cool don't worry about it I was reading about that and like the, the their, it seems like their biggest hurdle outside of actually making it work is figuring out how they're going to charge it and right now their idea is that it's wirelessly charged so that once a day you have to go stand on a wireless wire charge wireless charger <laughs> to charge, charge your chip like <laughs> it's the best thing ever <laughs> like like oh you can you get a little ding you're like your ear dings or something like that like oh it's time to go wirelessly charge so you have to go stand on it for a little while or either that or put it up against your head <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's just like the dumbest thing ever. Like, just just imagine, like, like I I love in science fiction movies, like the idea of us having to like like becoming more technological and like having to charge always means we don't sleep. But in our dumbass reality, we're gonna ha- we're gonna need eight hours of sleep, and at some point, we're gonna need like four hours of charging throughout the day. You just imagine, like, dude, because w- <laughs> w- one thing we all know about batteries is that eventually they won't take a charge anymore. So when you need a new battery, <laughs> oh, brain surgery again. <laughs> again, just some minor brain surgery. <laughs> Nothing to be worried about. All right. Uh, either either that, or there's going to be a cord permanently attached to your ear that goes down to a a ba- like a, a battery and a fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's not a fanny pack. It's a Merce, Okay. <laughs> 
Oh, that's so good. Um, <laughs> like so, I just, I just imagine uh, ba- somebody putting a, a uh, um, like a, a AAA battery in their ear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I do want to go ahead and say when it comes to like VR and stuff, I think we will have, like, we will definitely push towards AR, and like, I think VR is not something that's like just a fad and it, it's going to go away, but. I think kind of the thing that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to metaverses and that kind of shit is I think a lot of the people investing in those kind of ideas don't have VR headsets or at the very least haven't had them for very long at all. Because one of the things that's really good about VR is being able to go into the virtual like game worlds that you've really liked for a long time and being able to be like completely immersed in that world gaming makes a hundred percent sense when it comes to vr it it's the it's the hyper realism Mm -hmm. and the like the being there being the character that you're playing exactly movies make a good a good a lot of sense for vr because you could take you could be like even if you're just you know watching it from the world that you know that it's set in, it makes sense because you can maybe you can't interact with stuff, but you can see it in a more immersive you know experience, and it opens up the opportunity for interactive storytelling. If it's not a video game, it's just more like you can interact with the ch- the characters, or maybe it's like a choose your own adventure kind of thing. You know, it makes sense for that kind of thing. It does not make sense when it comes to the metaverse, because what they're talking about is basically allowing you to have meetings with South Park characters, you know, and yeah, not the well, I mean, fun even kind. more than that, it's it, they even the more like fun ones, all they focus on is social interaction. And it's like, uh, we, I mean, ha- we got plenty of options. We have like, okay. So if the metaverse was ready two years ago, when we were all stuck inside and nobody could meet in person, it would have made sense, okay? Like, nobody could go to bars, nobody could go to meetings, like, this could be fun, uh, and maybe you could gamify it or something like that. You could make it something entertaining. But, yes, COVID's still around, but the world is basically mostly open now, and you can go to meetings, you can go to the bar again, uh, and there is no implementation of VR that, in the metaverse, that will ever take the awesomeness that is actually smelling grass and touching people um made me sound like (laughs) 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 with permission consent is very very uh, you know important you know what i mean there's 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 nothing digitally that can take the place of actually talking to someone in person you know what i mean (laughs) it it just it it can't yeah man You, you can't drink a beer in the metaverse and expect yourself to actually have a beer you know yeah, or touch people. Right, or I'm touch like, people. Oh, I, I, I got you. <laughs> um, oh. Anyways, uh, Zero Linux, thanks for the super chat. Awesome window manager is not awesome. There's my uh, um, one line there. Uh, it's 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 okay. I don't know. I talked about it a little bit earlier. I'm not a big fan of Lua. Anyways, that's it. That's it for uh, the metaverse. Uh, well, you know, actually, before we move on. I, 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 we talked, we bitched about the metaverse for a while, and the thing that we kind of missed out on, and the point that I actually wanted to get to, was that Mozilla <laughs> is paying money and investing money in the metaverse, and 
I some someone and, someone and this will make Firefox so much better, so much better. I'm so excited. Um, but the thing is, is like somebody on on Mastodon told me like, well, if the metaverse is going to exist, isn't it better that there is at least a company that's in, interested in open source having a, a role in it? You know, and I suppose you could argue that it's good for a company that is interested in open source to create their own metaverse so that Facebook's not the only one if it does take off. But I don't think it's going to take off. I mean, I've been wrong before, but I don't think I'm wrong this time. I don't think that there... I've talked to many, many people about the metaverse on social media, in my family, you know, in real in real life, <laughs> you know, um, and... So most of them don't know what it is, and the people who do know what it is think it's the stupidest idea ever. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. There are people who say, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, but for the most part... Yeah, but you don't know those people. Like, that's the problem. Like, well, I don't really know anybody who, like, like, who will sit down, like, talk with me as a real person who's like, yeah, the metaverse is the shit. Like, I, I definitely hear people who are like, I mean, there's a chance. The people who thinks that it's going to be really cool are the people who uh, would use it exactly one time, like a Memoji, and uh, then realize, no. ah, yeah, it turns out not being in the physical world and interacting with people, not as good as being in the physical world interacting with people. Um, the, the see the thing the idea I think they had behind I'm still ignoring Mozilla here for a second but the the idea I think that they had behind the, the metaverse is that by cartoonizing everything basically making everything an avatar uh, removes the onerous you know horribleness that is meetings but that's being in person or even being on a webcam with someone isn't what makes a meeting bad. What makes a meeting bad is that it's a meeting. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, yeah, it, you have to be there. It, like, it, it's just that simple like the, fact. The, the nature of a meeting that you don't want to go to isn't going to be changed by the fact that your boss has created themselves a avatar with leopard pants. You know, <laughs> you know that, that that doesn't change the fact that you're at a meeting that you don't want to go to. So, um. It doesn't solve, like you said earlier, it doesn't solve any problems. But the thing is, is like Mozilla. All right, open letter time to Mozilla. Dear Mozilla, stop spending money on stupid shit. You don't have unlimited amounts, even though sometimes you act like you do. Sincerely, everyone. Uh, like we know that you have this giant spigot of money that comes from Google every few years. Eventually, that's going to dry up. Uh, eventually Google will be like, yeah, maybe we don't want to send them $400 million every year or whatever it is. Um, also, or, you know, like maybe a smart business tactic might be to like, reinvest <laughs> in the one thing that like, like keeps your company afloat, and, like makes you competitive. Firefox. And, like, I, oh, I don't know. Like <laughs> noteworthy. Yeah. Like Firefox. And, and you know, they're, they're doing some wonderful things with, with Thunderbird and they're going to do a, a, like a redesign of it. You know, that yeah, no one really uses it, man. Come on. Like, Linux needs a good. I mean, yes, there's a lot of people that use it, but compared right, to like most. But things, at least it makes sense because it exists and people do use it and there's a market yeah. for it. And and, you know, it, 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 people use email clients. They don't 
give a rat's yeah, ass about the metaverse. Okay. True. Um, gotta stop this. But, but I also don't think that most people are complaining about Thunderbird. However, I'm pretty sure everyone can think of a couple, you know, um, things that Firefox could do to improve its current standing. Yeah. Like, so. They could take just, all the money and that they're spending on the metaverse and put it into advertising, you know, uh, it would have just, I mean, like, look, if you're just going to burn money, like burn it on something good, well, not some, so, some of the, some of, I mean, not all, obviously there's, there's technological problems with Firefox, but one of the biggest issues that they have is that most people don't even know that exists anymore. I was talking to somebody like, oh, Firefox, is that still a thing? Like, is that still around? It'd be like if Netscape Navigator was still around and nobody knew it. You know, um, technically that's Firefox. It still exists. A lot of people use it. Millions of people use it. But, you know, it's Chrome has become such a Chrome has become like facial tissue. When you grab a facial tissue, you know, you call it Kleenex, even if it's off brand, you know, uh, Google and Chrome have come become basically the same thing. When you open up a browser, you assume that it's Chrome. You know, uh, Edge has kind of nudged its way in there because you can't uninstall it from Windows, you know, unless you like blow up your computer or something, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, people use Chrome. I mean, that's the thing that they use. And, and because it's default, they assume that that's the only option. So if they wanted to spend some money on something that may or may not work, some advertising may, you know, be a good idea. Okay. Moving on to the next one, we gotta. Uh, this is getting my blood pressure up. I I always bitch at Mozilla. Like I use Firefox as my daily driver, uh, but sometimes I wish it didn't. <laughs> it just makes me mad. All right, Tyler, your next one. Um, so Proton Experimental has been upgraded to fix EA screwing up shit, which is like should be no surprise, right. and particularly just. On Linux in general, I mean, it's the article's framed like with it mentioning the Steam Deck and stuff, but I mean, it's a Linux issue. Um, that's not a Linux issue. It's EA causing Linux to have an issue, which is no surprise because um, if you're unfamiliar with gaming and kind of out of the loop, uh, let me go ahead and let you know Electronic Arts is a publisher. That, well, um, if you're one of their customers, they live by a philosophy of, fuck you, give me your money, and also, by the way, I also hate you and will make your life a living hell. Please come again next year to buy our next overpriced game. See you then. Madden and 2023, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> EA is just, they're a... I genuinely don't understand how there's so many game publishers that everyone hates, like very openly, has no respect for, and and also like genuinely wishes that they would just stop existing, and yet they're seen as industry leaders, and people still keep buying their games that are guaranteed to be filled with just shit. But anyway, that's completely off the topic. So, um, like, you know, Valve's done a good job. They've they fixed EA, um, causing issues where they 
I, I guess they had a new desktop like launcher or something, but um, some of their games and stuff was just failing to launch and just not working. So well, because they they moved to they fixed. moved to something called EA Desktop because they abandoned Origin. Yeah, um, and I don't know if that like I I'm gonna assume that's like supposed to be their new launcher, or I don't know if it's like just supposed to like fill the holes that were like left by Origin, and it's not actually like a launcher. But well, I think it's a launcher, I don't know. but I'm not actually sure. Uh, either way, yeah, we can, even as a non-gamer gamer, um, I'm here to tell you that launchers are freaking dumb. <laughs> Like, can we not yeah. do that anymore? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that doesn't seem like it, I, it was never a good idea that I had to have six yeah. different, you know, launchers on my system in order to play the games that I want. Even though it's and, and it's especially stupid when you get your game through Steam because that's the launcher, okay? <laughs> like, like I, it's just so dumb. And it, I think they did it because they wanted to have their own store or they wanted to control DRM or something like that. But it's just it's a horrible consumer experience and nobody likes a lot. Yeah. Except like, that's why I don't get why like so many publishers keep doing it. It's like, there's, there's like no one, no one in the community that is happy with your launcher ever. The only time you'll ever hear someone talk nicely about a launcher or say that they need it is because the launcher has given them so much free shit. That that's why they want it. Like, that's it. So, last year, Steam was having a sale on the EA Pass. And some of my favorite games of all time are EA games. Like, I like The Sims 4. I like, back in the day before City Skylines was a thing, I liked The Sim City. The early Sim City games, anyways, they totally effed that whole thing up. Um, and you know, the, the battlefront games are really, really good, even though I'm horrible at them. And the EA pass has all those games. And I was like, Hey, you want it for, it was like $10 for a whole year. And I was like, cool. I got, I have $10. Even if half the games don't work on Linux, there's still half that do, you know? And this was a year ago. So Proton, the Steam Deck wasn't out quite yet. Maybe it was even two years ago. And, um, so Proton wasn't quite where it is right now. And uh, so I, you know, I paid the $10 and the first thing that popped up was like, hey, you got to install Origin on Linux. I was like, you know what? Shoot me now. <laughs> it's just so bad. All right. Uh, moving on to the last one of the day. This is mine. And uh, yeah, this is um, normally I avoid political topics on the podcast, but we're going to talk about this for a little while. Uh, especially considering your recent switch into the Apple ecosystem. <laughs> so uh, Apple, uh, in their usual fashion, has kowtowed to China. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know and don't pay attention to the news, uh, China has, for basically since the beginning of the pandemic, continued to lock down periodically because of COVID. When they discover COVID somewhere, they lock down entire neighborhoods, entire buildings, and stuff like that. So it's been a pain in the rear end for, like, all their people. And uh, so the citizens finally decided they had enough of that shit and decided to protest. And they were using their Apple iPhones because the iPhone is still really big in China, uh, even though Android is bigger. Um, they were using the AirDrop functionality, which is device to device and doesn't ever interact with the server, 
uh, to send important details about meetups and protests and stuff like that. And Apple decided that they were going to, um, or China, I guess, contacted Apple and said, hey, we don't like this, uh, make it harder. Um, so that's what they did. They made it harder. It made it so that you had to, uh, basically, it says AirDrop, which allows users to share content between Apple devices, has become important. The feature relies on wireless connections. That's uh, uh, just the key points there. What, they they turned they made it so that they had to reconnect every like five ten minutes or something like that. Uh, anyways, they made it more onerous than or actually do. And um, the thing is like oh here's what it is uh, under the update iPhones can now only set their AirDrop to receive messages from everyone for ten minutes before switching off. The other settings allow for file sharing between contacts only or receiving off. And the thing is, like, Apple says, they claim that this is going to be a feature that is rolling out to everyone next year. Uh, but they just did it in China during the protests. Uh, so they know, everybody knows that they did it because China asked them to do it. Um, and obviously this isn't the first time that China has, uh, man, or not the first time Apple has, uh, made concessions to China to basically they made it so all iCloud storage for citizens in China is stored in China and is susceptible to all their laws there. So they've done several things like that. So this is not a surprise to anybody, but it's still kind of a shitty move. So, yeah. No. Go Apple. Good job guys. Well, I'm just, I'm just not surprised by this kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. I like, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I don't know why, but, like, people seem to get very surprised when companies who operate in China do, like, yeah. do bow down to China. It's like, like, I don't agree with it. I, I, I think, like, like, look, if you have, if you have to, like, just do whatever China tells you to, and it's, it's normally not in the best interest of, like, the people you sell your products to, you probably shouldn't be doing like business there, but, but I, I, I don't but, know why people act like this is surprising, but there's 2 billion people there and they all want to buy your products and they have money well, and money is good. Right. Really, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, like I, like, I don't think that's like really my point. Like my point is just, there's so many people who act like this kind of stuff is surprising. Yeah. It's like, no, like, They've been operating in China, and I think we all know just how questionable um, Apple products, like in their mm -hmm. like treatment of the people who make them, how questionable that is. Well, I mean, the real problem here isn't that they do it in China, because all the companies have to do it in China. If you want to do business in China, you follow the rules. Um, that's just kind of the way things yeah. go. Uh, otherwise, they won't let you do business in China. But the thing is, is that if Apple is willing to do this for China, they're obviously going to be willing to do it for other countries as well, and they have the capabilities of doing it. And the bigger point here is that it undermines their whole claim of privacy first. Like everything's done on the device. There's you know end-to-end -end encryption. Nobody has access to your stuff. Uh, we're way better than Android on this stuff. You know, it's you can watch a Apple Kino and the thing that they say the most through the whole thing is safe and secure over and over and over and over again. Uh, this doesn't necessarily make it look like everything's safe and secure when you do this kind of stuff. And uh, it just you they always have had this reputation of being more secure than Google and stuff like that and less interested in selling your data. Um, 
and while maybe they are less interested in selling your data because they're not an av- well, I mean they are an advertising company, but not as big as Google. They um you know it's still it tarnishes that reputation when they do stuff like this over and over and over again. So yeah. Um, but yeah. and for my own sake, since I'm using Apple now, I hope they'll actually try and keep up that reputation and not just tarnish it. It'd be nice. Well, when, uh, we'll once you're in, man, you don't leave. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've left before, but trust me when I say like, I, I know just how long it takes to get out of the, the ecosystem. Like once you're in it, man, it's, it's hard. It's hard to leave. Like them, them, them walls, man, they're just so high around the garden. And they're slippery and they got barbed wire at the top. And (laughs) yeah. yeah. And then there's like, there's like machine gunners at the top. Like it's just, it's wild, you know? So it takes a lot of time. Oh, whoops. Dropping stuff. But yeah, it takes a lot of time. You don't want to drop your Apple stuff. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) All right. Moving on to the last section of the show. We're done with the news. That is the news. Uh, we're moving on to the last section. The last section is creatively named Thingies of the Week. Now, we could have called this section anything, of course. Uh, we could have been very creative and stole something from other shows that do similar things at the end of their show, like Tips of the Week or trips, Tricks of the Week or Apps of the Week. But uh, no, we did not do that. Instead, we called them Thingies of the Week because, well, we're 14-year-old boys, and it sounded cool. <laughs> Anyways, Tyler, your Thingy of the Week. Um, mine is kind of going to be an interesting one to talk about. Um, so it's called Angel Studios and it's, uh, like a, it's kind of like a TV network app, but not, it's very interesting. The, the reason I wanted to like talk about it and kind of show it off is it not really necessarily about the content that, uh, that you, you would use it for. They have apps for Android, iOS, and like I'm pretty sure like all of the fire TV sticks and like all that stuff. But um, it's it's essentially a, a Christian like network, but it's all crowdfunded and they do very, very high production value um, like TV shows and movies. And it's it's all like crowdsourced, crowdfunded. And um, they they have just a very interesting way of doing the streaming they all like it's all hosted and streamed through through them and it's all supported by people who watch so you can like buy different packages and you'll like you you pay for the streaming costs for so many different people and um, when you do that like every time you watch an episode if if you haven't paid or you know, like whatever for it you get like a little uh message telling you who like like what username paid for like you, you to be able to watch that episode and like you can send them a thank you note and it's just it's such a cool concept for funding something like a just a crowdfunded like entertainment program network it's it's very interesting so i kind of just wanted to talk talk about that because i haven't seen anything else really quite like it so it's very interesting yeah it's really cool um i'll have to give that a look because it does sound very interesting um 
All right, so mine is also entertainment-based. Mine is called Calibre, and it's been around for a very long time. The UI is horrible. I'm just going to put that right up front. It's not very – the UI is not very good at all. Uh, but – are we talk like like are we talking worse than Audacity? Uh, probably on a similar level. The the icons are really big. They don't look very modern. Uh, there's buttons in weird places and hidden kind of. So that you, like if you want to get to the jobs, it's in the lower right hand corner, but you don't see it very very good. So if, whatever. Anyways, basically what Calibre is is a ebook library manager, and it will do other things other than ebooks as well. If you get into fan fiction or any kind of stuff like that, it basically manages your library. It's not a reader. Although I think it probably does that, but basically what it does is it manages manages your ebooks, and at least in theory, it allows you to send your ebooks to ebook devices if they have that capability. And um, I recently got a Kindle because they basically give them away on on Black Friday, so I was like, you know, might as well if you're gonna just give me one, I'll take it. Um, and I got it, and I'm a big reader. Like I read a lot, uh, even outside of my job. You know, I read, you know, books and fan fiction and stuff like that all the time. So I was like, you know, maybe I'll save my old ass eyes and get myself a e-ink reader that, you know, doesn't have blue light and all this stuff. So I did. And um, the thing is, is like I don't want to give Amazon all of my money to buy books. So I get my books from other places that are cheaper. And um, to this day and age, there's no easy way to transfer books to the Kindle outside of emailing them. <laughs> like literally that's how they do it. Like they give you an e- they give you an email address and you can send your books to the device through email. It's like what is this the 1990s? It's so silly. Um but Calibre has this functionality built in where you can just hit send you enter your email uh of your device and the email that you want to send from and as long as it works um it doesn't work very well with Gmail. That's another story. But you can hit this button after you set it up, and it will just send the book you want to your device, to your account on thing, and it's really good. Um, also, if you are you know, fastidiously organized person, it's a great way to you know organize your ebooks and add metadata and stuff like that from the internet. It's really good. I really, really wish that it worked with like movies and TV shows as well, because that'd be so cool. Like. I don't want to send movies or TV shows to my Kindle. That's not what I'm talking about. More, if Calibre allowed me to organize, because my movie and TV show collection is just, it's not pretty. <laughs> like, like They're in folders <laughs> all over the place. Like, I downloaded all six seasons of Lucifer recently. And while they are separated by seasons, oh, yeah. um, they have the traditional naming scheme of shady means of, uh, you know, getting things if you know what I mean. yeah. Uh, yeah 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 uh, yeah so the, the, the i mean i mean i don't know what you're talking yeah, right. about like uh, i don't know anything about that but like so the naming scheme i mean it sounds familiar the, the naming scheme is not very good so yeah i, w- I wish it did do that but it doesn't it just it's just ebooks as far as i know but it's still it's really really good and obviously free and open source and available i believe it's even on windows and mac if you wanted to give that a try so yeah clebray that's it for the podcast, if you watch or if you want to watch this live, we record live every Friday between 3 p.m. Eastern time or so and around 4.30, 4.45 or so, depending on how long we go. Uh, today, we're a little bit over an hour, so we usually record for about an hour. Uh, you can find – you can 
obviously come watch us live at youtube.com slash linuxcast so hit the subscribe button and the, the bell notification to uh, make sure you don't miss an episode and all of the other videos that i do because i do other videos as well uh not nearly as many as i used to uh i i've been taking way more days off lately because of stuff so uh, hopefully in the new year that will uh, get back to normal but anyways uh youtube.com slash linuxcast before i go i should take a moment to think of... <laughs> Why is it that at the end of the show, every week, I forget how to talk? Like, it's, it's really bad. Anyways, if it, before I go, I should take a moment to thank my current patrons. That was better. Just go slower and enunciate your words, Matt. You know how to do this. Anyways, thanks to everybody who does support me on Patreon and YouTube. You guys are all absolutely amazing people. Without you, the channel just would not be where it is right now. So thank you so very, very much. I truly do appreciate it. If you'd like to support me, you can do so at patreon.com slash linuxcast. Links for the YouTube and the LiberaPay are in the video description. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next week. Boy.